This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first show of the week here on Dojo Live this Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. My name is Kim Lantis, and it's my pleasure to be hosting along with America Guerrero today. Hello, everybody. Hi, America. And of course, we have the guest of honor, the most important person of today's show. It's my pleasure to welcome Avery Pennerun, who is the co-founder and CEO of Tail Scale. Thank you for joining us, Avery. Hey, hi, everybody. And I'm glad to be here. Yes, it's going to be a really, really interesting conversation as we talk again just about the Internet, the dangers of the Internet, security and advantages of how we can make that even better. But before we get into the topic of today's show, we would really love to get to know you, Avery, a bit better. I'm reading your bio. I can see there's a lot of story and um, interesting things that you've done. Um, And tell us, share more about you and how this has sort of led up to what you're doing today. Thank you. Uh, Sure. Well, I mean, if I go too deep into my bio, there's lots and lots of stories to tell. So I try to skim over it quickly. But um, while I was in university, me and my roommate co-founded a company uh, that ended up building Linux-based network appliances for small businesses. And we worked at that for about eight years and eventually sold it to IBM. Uh, After that, I did some work in the banking industry. And after that, I went to Google for a while and did money transfers for Google Wallet. And then worked for six years or so on Google Fiber Wi-Fi, where I led the team that was building the Wi-Fi routers and doing the analytics around all the data transfer limitations and bottlenecks there. And when I left Google, I took about six months off to decompress and think about what I wanted to do next. And that's when that's when we started Tailscale. Uh, throughout the all that time period, I've been pretty heavily active in the world of open source. I started several projects of my own. Uh, me and other people have worked on different things. Um, so I know a lot about open source. I know a bit about starting companies. Uh, and I've, I've worked in like big scale stuff and small scale stuff and seen a lot of teams who are successful and less successful and trying trying to be on the more successful side. <laughs> that is the goal. And you know, I'd be interested in that later on in the conversation talking about the smaller teams versus the larger teams, your perspective on what you've enjoyed the most or the advantages and disadvantages of both. But before we get to that, uh, we would like to talk a bit more about tail scale. Um, pre-show, I was interested in the name, um, how you came up with that, but who are you? What do you do? What's the problem that you solve? Right. Well, it, it does all start with the name. So the name tail scale, it refers to the long tail. Uh, it's the opposite of internet scale. So as I was leaving Google, I'm like, you know what? A lot of trouble in the world comes with the fact that everything around here is internet scale. Uh, Google does everything internet scale. That's their entire thing. They named their company after that. Um, and they even have a really famous paper published by one of the early Google engineers called the tail at scale, which is a like research paper about all the difficult things that happen when you have a million nodes in your server network, like all these things that are super rare that only happen one in a million times suddenly happen once a day. Um, and how you have to do this incredibly fancy engineering to make those things happen. Uh, and when you go out to the, the sort of real world, I realized that a lot of people had read that paper and like, that's really cool. I want my company to be as cool as Google. Um, I'm going to do this kind of fancy stuff too. And the next thing you know, you've got people setting up, you know, hundred node clusters to host their personal website. Uh, and it's just sort of overkilling the problem, right? Like if you want to build Google search, it is incredibly hard. It searches the entire internet in like hundred milliseconds and it answers like millions of queries per second to search the, hundred, the internet over and over again 
deliver the results in 100 milliseconds. That's a hard problem. But if I'm a software startup and I have a million users and the million users are like poking around on the website occasionally, it's just like a completely different class of problem. And if I'm a worker at a company or if I'm playing with my Raspberry Pi at home or whatever, um, it is, it's a different class of problem again. Maybe there's only a hundred people who need to access my dashboard. Maybe there's only a thousand or 10,000 employees in the company altogether that need to access the HR system or whatever. And so it's just a, it's a different world entirely. And it's one that I noticed was kind of, was underserved, right? Everybody wants to build stuff for like internet scale and nobody was building stuff for the long tail of problems that most people face on a daily basis. So that was the name and the name sort of led to everything else. I didn't know what even I wanted to build, but I started shopping around to my friends and network with like, I have this idea, I'm going to call it tail scale. I don't know what we're going to do, but it's going to be about small stuff. And they're like, you know, I found some people, <laughs> my two co-founders were excited with just that. Uh, and the product itself kind of followed after we started telling customers about this idea and like, what's the biggest problem? And the biggest problem turned out to be networking, which is what we do. Nice. You know, it kind of reminds me, I've, this is like, I think the fourth show in a row where I've had some type of like movie reference. And so I'm kind of embarrassed about that, but it's okay. <laughs> you know, but it reminds me of the, the a Bug's Life, I think from Disney Pixar and how at the end, you know, it's all the little ants together are like making a big impact. And I think when you tell your tail scale story, that's what's coming to my mind where it's like, sure, you can have these big problems, but the reality is the majority of us, you know, are, are quite small and like to serve to serve that need. And I think that's right. true. Yeah, I mean, when, when society is healthy, there's everybody working on their little thing that fits into the big picture. And that's how you get a nice a nice system that's well balanced, right? When things aren't balanced, you have like one super big, powerful corporation that is controlling, say, all of your communications. Um, and and it has to go through them and they have this disproportionate amount of power, right? Where yeah. when we just, you know, when we're sitting in a room with our friends, there's no particular power imbalance, right? You can just talk and there's nobody who's mediating that for you. Yeah, a really, really cool point. And we're not limited to that first page of a search engine optimization. Nobody even moves to the second page. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Perfect. So I think that's a good lead into to the topic of today's show as chosen by you, which is better living through small networks. How did the open internet grow up to be such a dangerous place? Why don't security and privacy ever seem to get any better? Is there a better way? So please share with us. Why do you think that this is important for today's show? So this is kind of like the big picture philosophical question that I was asking myself for that six months in between leaving my big company job uh, and starting it and starting a company. Uh, it's like, what is what is the problem? What's going on? Because I grew up in the 90s, which sort of it, it dates me, I guess. Um, but <laughs> during the 90s, when we pictured the Internet, we did not picture what we got today. Right. It, it was a really optimistic vision of the future where like we're all going to be able to communicate. It's going to break through international barriers. It's going to be world peace, because how can you have how can you have conflict when you can just understand each other and you can talk to individual citizens in the country that your government is thinking of invading? It's like, well, we don't hate these people. They're nice people. Um, and it trust, you know, all, all of this stuff is sort of utopian vision of what would be possible with better communication. And nowadays, it's not like that. Nowadays, we know that like if you have an enemy, uh, the foreign government can like hire a bunch of people to run a huge botnet and just create a massive misinformation campaign uh, to confuse everybody and cause all, all kinds of problems that was would never have been possible before. And in fact, as the Internet gets bigger, as technology gets cheaper, 
Uh, you don't even need a government to do that anymore. Like relatively small groups of individuals can make these things happen all by themselves, right? So there's just sort of, you know, the observation is that the, the internet did not work out the way we thought it would work out, but we keep doing more of the same thing. Like we're, we've never gone back to first principles and said like, wait a minute, <laughs> have we even built the right thing here? Because the thing we're building is not getting the results that we said we wanted. You know, that's a really interesting question. And I mean, of course, we can get into social psychology and philosophy. And I, I listen to you and I'm like, well, geez, maybe it's just a reflection of humanity and, you know, the uh, of, of what just happens. And it even is there a solution to this? You know, a jerk is always going to be a jerk, I suppose. But what is the solution? Like, how does making things smaller make it better? Well, I think the, the first thing you have to look at, it's a little bit statistical or mathematical, but there's like, there's a bell curve of how terrible people are, right? And it's like, you have the super nice people on one side, and then you have the incredibly evil people on the other side. And as you go out more standard deviations from the middle, you get more and more super nice and more and more super evil. And the, so the thing about these bell curves is you have a small group of people. If you've got like a hundred people, it's extremely unlikely that you will end up in that group of 100 people with one of the super insanely nice ones or one of the super insanely terrible ones. They're just not in that group. So and almost if they all, are, you get to call them out. Yeah, and you can just kick them out because it's only a group yeah. of 100 people. And like you can all agree, like, wow, this person is a real outlier. They are terrible. You're out of here, right? But if you, if you get more and more people in a group, the probability of getting one of these outliers is higher and higher. And when you get a group that isn't even self-selecting, when you have like the power of the internet where anybody can publish anything they want and create botnets and fake accounts that can join your, like even if you kick somebody out of your forum, they just create a new account with a fake ID and then join your forum again and create the problem over and over again. When you do that, this tiny number of terrible people that are outliers can ruin everything for everybody. right? And you just have this cascading effect where if you can't trust, if you can't be sure that everybody in your group is trustworthy, that means you can't trust anybody. And when you don't trust anybody, it completely changes the social dynamics. Like you just can't act like humans were meant to be able to act, right? How, the way we've evolved and the way not just us, but mammals and all kinds of other animals uh, have learned to evolve is like you get a small social group where you have to trust that small social group more than you trust the world, right? You know, there's, there's varying sizes. There's you and then there's your family and then there's your extended family and then there's your village or whatever, right? And each of those has slightly decreasing levels of trust. But if you just wash all that away and say there's one big network of everybody in the world and any terrible person can come in and do anything else like a peer of everybody else, right? Then your level of trust just drops to the bare minimum, like the, the sort of the, the lowest common denominator. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And it's actually the opposite of that. Like when the when the trust is diminished, the good things diminish along with it, right? Unfortunately, and you miss exactly. out on, on those opportunities. Yeah, so, so many wonderful things are possible if you just trust the people you're with, right? Yes. You can just, you know, you, can, you don't have to be evaluating every single second. Like, am I about to be attacked? Am I going to like drive off a cliff? Is, is someone going to poison my food? It's just like, you don't, care you don't need to worry about that stuff you can just relax and then have these like higher level interactions that are just not possible in a group with no trust nice so what is tailscale doing about it exactly how are you taking how are you taking down google <laughs> <laughs> not really certainly not taking down google uh we're, we're not even like in the same business as google at all yes. but it's but we what we're doing is 
You can think of it as, as building small safe spaces, but the angle that we're taking it from is starting from computers instead of people. Because it turns out computers, computer networks are a reflection of human networks, partly because there's always a human behind the computer one way or another, right? So there's this concept of zero trust. And I know you were talking to somebody just a few days ago about zero trust, right? All of this stuff I was saying about trust that applies to humans also applies to computers in exactly the same way, right? So when people talk about zero trust networks, I find that to be a really depressing concept. And the reason it's depressing is like the core of it is like you can't trust anybody. Let's put up all of these defenses to make sure that nothing can do what you haven't explicitly permitted it to do, right? You're, and you have to build all of these layers and layers of production. It ends up being complicated and hard to deploy. Uh, everybody knows they need it because the alternative is trusting things on a giant internet where you know that some people are not trustworthy and some computers are not trustworthy and they're going to try to break into your thing. You put some software on the internet and within minutes, something is trying to break into it, right? So if you haven't gotten everything absolutely perfect, they will succeed in breaking into it and now it's a disaster, right? So zero trust is like, okay, well, I guess I can't trust anybody on the internet anymore. I'm going to build my software to be absolutely paranoid about absolutely everything. And that's not a fun way to develop software, right? Because it, try, it has to exist on the internet. And so when you go back to the original concept of TailScale, it's like, look, most of us are not building software that needs to trust everybody on the internet, right? I'm building a dashboard for my team at work. There's like a hundred people, right? None of them are gonna be trying to crash my dashboard on purpose. It's just not interesting to do that, right? If you share it with a billion people, one of them is going to try to crash it on purpose because they're bored, right? <laughs> or they're just a terrible person, or they think they can get into your company by crashing your dashboard and then you get something higher value, right? So TailScale is this simple concept of like, it's not about zero trust. It's about establishing trust between a small group of individuals so that you don't have to be careful. And the net result is that when you connect computers in this way, suddenly you get this feeling back that you used to have in the 1990s before the internet got so big that all these terrible people were there, right? Like suddenly using a computer network is just relaxing and fun instead of this constant fight against all of the attackers. It's extremely interesting. So who, who are your users, your client base? Like who would be interested in this type of network model? So there's, there's actually three major groups of users of TailScale. The first group is, is what we call the free users. Uh, so we have a really generous free plan. You can sign up for TailScale, install it from the app store on like your phone and your, your laptop, for example, uh, log into TailScale. And when you log into two devices with the same account, those two devices become connected. So even if they're not on the same Wi-Fi, if one of them's on LTE, if, you're, if the two things are in different cafes going through weird cafe Wi-Fi, they can still talk directly to each other and go through each other's firewalls without any problems. So you can run a service on your laptop and now you can reach it from your phone no matter where the two things are in the world. So it's kind of neat. So people on the free plan use that for like, you know, they can hook up a camera that monitors the 3D printer. Uh, a lot of them use this software called Pihole, which is an ad blocker. Um, you, can, you can run a Minecraft server for your friends and then share Minecraft with only your friends instead of putting it out on the internet and waiting for somebody to like which, break into their server. As a parent, I completely appreciate. That was one of the first things that came to my mind is, you know, I've got an 11-year-old daughter who's totally into like Roblox and things. And I'm like, 
you know, I try to like make it as safe for her as possible, but something like this, I yeah. see. Yeah, we have, we have a lot of people running Minecraft servers on Tailscale. So it's funny because I was experimenting with this because I heard about a bunch of people using Minecraft for Tailscale or with Tailscale. And I'm like, okay, I better, better learn something about Minecraft. So I installed a Minecraft server and put it on a public internet server and like built, and, you know, a little house. <laughs> well, yeah, I got a little bit addicted for a while. But the funny thing is like I went to bed one night and left the server running and somebody found my server, broke in and like knocked over my sandcastle. Right. And I'm like, this sucks. This is this is like the most literal analogy <laughs> for how bad the Internet is. It's like, like I did it's it like, because I could literally it's like when you're a nerd such as myself and you go to the beach and the bullies come and kick over your literal sandcastle. It's because why is the bully even there? Right. <laughs> I didn't want you in my social network. It's just it's a public beach. Right. So when you run that server on Tailscale instead, uh, only your friends can access it. You don't have to worry about the fact that every two weeks there's another security hole in Minecraft that lets people break into your Minecraft server, right? Because only your friends are accessing that server in the first place. It just completely wipes away that entire problem of zero trust by trusting people instead. But you have to trust the right people. Uh, so that's the first group. That's individuals using Tailscale for free. Uh, it happens to be very, very inexpensive for us to run that service because the data doesn't go through us. It just, our service, our software negotiates a connection point to point between your devices without going through a relay that we operate, which means it doesn't cost us anything for you to transfer data. So that's the secret of our whole service is like basically costs us zero to offer the free plan, which means we can keep offering the free plan forever and not go to business. Uh, then the next group of people is small companies or small teams at companies where they want to be able to access their production networks and stuff and share it with their, their uh, friend developers. Um, that's, you know, a reasonably priced, uh, plan and companies generally, they like to use it because it saves them a ton of trouble by just creating, you know, the social network of computers of your team. Uh, so you don't have to worry about whether those computers trust each other, because as long as it's only those computers, you can trust them. And then the third group is bigger enterprise rollout. So if you have a, a company that wants to replace the VPN that the software, the company uses, Typical VPNs will take all of your traffic and run it through a single point and then spread out from there. So it's as if you're in the office. Um, more and more now, people don't even necessarily have an office or they have a bunch of offices. So it's unclear which office you should route to. Tailscale removes the routing bottleneck. So there's no center point. There's just a whole bunch of services run by the IT department or by people in the company. And all of those things can talk to each other. So it's like a, a super easy to use painless VPN uh, that also makes the performance really fast and doesn't get in the way of anything else. So we have these like very distinctive use groups of users. And of course, the third group will pay us more money because they're rolling it out to everybody in the company and it's replacing something they're already paying a lot of money for. I read on your website that you're looking to help real communities so these three groups are the real three communities or is there an additional are you looking to scale another one so the what we want to do with so well first of all there is a variant of the second plan which is we call teams um, that you know normally it's used by small like dev teams inside companies but you, you can also get a free subscription to that if you're like an open source community or a family or something like that you just sign up for our community plan uh, the other thing you can do is use the free plan, which is for individuals. But the catch with that is you, individuals can share their devices with other people. You can generate a link and then send someone that link and it adds your device that you shared into their what we call a tailnet, which is like your private network. So if your friend has a tailnet of their like laptop and their phone and you send them a link from your laptop, then your laptop will appear in their tailnet and they can access like the Minecraft server on that. So you can build a whole community by using these sharing links. 
And that doesn't cost anything. That's still in the free plan. I, I was curious about, um, well, I actually have two questions and we'll go with my first one. And that is about what are the other benefits? So we've honed in on trust and the beauty of trust and making things small. But um, you talked a bit about scaling, like in the name, like allowing, you know, teams and software development teams and things to, you know, um, do their work faster, happier. Um, what else? Like, what are the benefits of a model like yours? So I think, I mean, not just the networking part, but the overall philosophy of just remember when you're building something that is never going to be used by a billion users, right? So we've been trying to push that philosophy a little more in the development world. I think in the last 10 years, um, well, it was a joke maybe five or 10 years ago uh, that people told me you could derail any meeting with engineers in it by just stopping the meeting and asking, but will that scale? And it doesn't matter what they were talking about. It will, someone will always go on a long rant about whether or, whether or not it will scale. And if it doesn't scale, then the person looks bad, right? And so everybody was trying to build like something that will scale, right? And the, our job at TailScale is to just sort of spread the news that like, in fact, even if your main product at your company needs to scale, still most of the work that goes on at your company does not need to scale, right? Almost every project made by almost every developer in the world, even at companies like Google, never need to scale. And so you should be designing things a totally different way with the expectation that it'll never need to scale. And that's what makes your job a lot easier. If you actually ask somebody what's hard about running a like building a dashboard uh, to report something just to the people on your team, uh, when we, and we did ask them this, uh, the top two items were connectivity, which means like letting my team access the dashboard. The second one was security, keeping people who shouldn't be accessing it from ac accessing my dashboard. And then there's a series of like other dumb things, like where do I run it? Uh, like who, where, what service is it running on? How do I set up the security permissions? Uh, how do, you know, what platform should it run on? How do I keep everything patched? All of this stuff that if you establish this basic level of trust, you can mostly ignore those problems, right? So you can eliminate huge amounts of trouble just by starting with this concept of like, sometimes it's small, right? Now, TailScale doesn't only work for small companies. We have some companies with like 15,000 users, right? Um, and, and that sounds like a lot. It's 15,000 people. That's a lot more than, you know, a 20 person startup, but it's a lot less than a billion. Right. So when we talk about tail scale, we're talking about, you know, the tens or hundreds of thousands or millions as opposed to a billion. Uh, and it's it's a completely different kind of engineering that we've actually sort of lost sight of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy when you think of a million sounding like a, a small number. <laughs> yeah. but, but let's go back to this usability components. I mean, I know that probably the the main user or the main of tail scale is going to be tech savvy. Uh, but what about people who just want to make a secure place to play Minecraft? Like, how, how do you make it easy to use? And you already add, uh, talked about talking to my users, asking the right questions. But well, what does this look like for you? And what was that process? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the actual, the process of installing TailScale takes maybe 60 seconds. You go to the app, you go to the app store, you type TailScale uh, to search for to search for it in the app store. You click download and install. There's only one thing you do to activate it, which is login. It'll ask you want to log in with Google or Microsoft or GitHub or Okta or whatever, right? Most people choose Google because almost everybody has a Gmail account or a YouTube account or something, right? You click with that and then it's running, right? Then you just go do that on a second computer. And now those two things are connected. Like that's it. You don't need to know anything about networking or development or anything like that to connect those two. 
the place where you need to know something is like, okay, well, I, I want to now run a service that I can access from my other computer, right? And that's where like Minecraft comes in. But connecting Minecraft using TailScale, the hard part is just the Minecraft part. TailScale doesn't really add anything in terms of difficulty. It just makes it really simple. And the nicest thing about it is it's so simple that it the default thing to do, like the natural thing a developer do will do who knows nothing about security, is the most secure thing. Like without TailScale, the natural thing you'll do is like go to AWS or DigitalOcean or something and like pay them $5 a month and they'll spin up a virtual machine that's sitting there on the internet and then you can run your Minecraft server and like, well, that wasn't too hard, right? And then somebody breaks into it because you didn't know anything about how to lock it down, right? With TailScale, you create a service and you don't open any firewall ports, right? You can run it on a, one of your computers, you can run it on a cloud machine or whatever and just say like, that's it. Like just don't connect, don't allow any connections to this device, which is nowadays the default. Right. And TailScale will make it so that somehow these devices can connect anyway. See, that's fascinating because that was actually what was going through my mind. I'm like, this sounds too easy. So my next question was, if I were to use this, like, I must be missing something. <laughs> and that's that's exactly the thought process that every person goes through, <laughs> because I think because they've, you know, networking in particular, people have been really scarred by how bad networking has become uh, as we well, and it comes down to like, well, we created the Internet, which incidentally, the name Internet, it comes from the interconnection of networks, right? Mm -hmm. So the original concept of the Internet was everybody had these lands at work or at home. Uh, that were local only and were not connected to each other. So the purpose of the internet was to connect those networks to other networks. It wasn't really the idea of connecting like one computer to another computer. Uh, but it turned out when you connected one network to another network to another network to another network, the next thing that happens is all the networks in the world are connected to each other, right? And when that happened, we started getting all of these attacks and stuff. So the progress of the internet has been like this great idea that started out wonderful, followed by a series of hacks to try to prevent all of the terrible things that have been happening, right? So TailScale, we're just like, we're going to rethink this from the beginning, right? We're going to like build something that isn't susceptible to all this kind of terrible stuff that comes from like the social factors of having a network that's too big. And then it actually can be as easy as it sounds, right? The joke that one of our test customers told us one time uh, is like, TailScale is the thing that makes the internet work the way you thought it would work until you learned how the internet worked, <laughs> right? It's like, well, it seems obvious. Of course, I should be able to run a thing on my laptop and access it from my phone, right? Why would that ever not be true, right? And yet it's actually super hard to make that true under normal conditions. And with TailScale, we just changed it back and now it's possible and easy, right? You don't even think about it. It's like, oh, of course. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. The, the hindsight is 2020, as they say, right? And I think maybe that's the moment and why you're, you are where you are right now, because there's this history and this ability to look back and be like, yeah, we didn't really think that through. So let's rethink it. Um, and I think that's yeah. kind of fun. So you as a leader, Avery, let's talk about hindsight 2020. What are some of these <laughs> words? Of <laughs> what are these some of these words of wisdom that you might want to share with our viewers, people like yourself of, you know, what has worked and maybe what would you counsel others not to do that you, you maybe would do have done differently? Uh, well, I mean, there's there's so many different angles to come at that question from. Uh, I think my favorite bit of advice is sort of the, the biggest mistake we made at my first company that we intentionally did not make at TailScale. Uh, and that was going too wide too fast. 
So we made a product that we thought was really great. We definitely got feedback from people that it was really great. Those people are called early adopters. Uh, and the early adopters told us our product was wonderful. So we raised some money and we started like selling it to everybody, right? And we, we did pretty well. We had really good reviews versus our competitors and stuff, but we were never like the market leader. We were always the, the small upstart that's trying to compete with this big company whose products were not really that popular, but you know, as the saying goes, like nobody ever got fired for buying like X, uh, where X is the most popular thing. And we were never the most popular thing. And it made it really hard to sell our product. Um, it turns out uh, there's this book called Crossing the Chasm that I'm a massive fan of. Uh, it's my favorite business book by a large margin. Uh, and everybody who's starting a startup should read it. Um, and what it basically says is this really simple advice that sounds a lot, sounds simple, but nobody ever follows it. And it's like, Look, start with a really small market segment and then capture that entire market segment before you go on to the next one. Don't be 1% of a big market, be 80% of a tiny market, right? Uh, and it, it sounds, it's almost counterintuitive because it's like, oh, shouldn't it be a lot easier to get 1% of a giant market than it is to get 80% of anything? And it turns out it's not because in a giant market, there's a lot of diversity of, of buyers and, and opinions and needs. Right? And so you end up building a product that does a little bit of everything, but does nothing very well. If you pick the right starting market, market segment, you can build a product that's absolutely amazing for that group of people. And tail scale, of course, is like, you know, it's again, ties into this concept of like, okay, who's it for? Well, let's figure out the first people that it's for, and we're going to make it amazingly great for those people. And then, you know, we have, and you know, whoever those first people were, right? And now it's like, okay, well now let's make it amazingly great for the next group of people and the next group of people and the next group of people. You have to be really methodical about it to be successful, but it's super counterintuitive. It is counterintuitive, but it makes a lot of sense. And it actually reminds me of a, a quite old Dojo Live show. This is one of my first Dojo Live shows, actually all the way back from 2016. Uh, our guest was Yossi Ginsberg, and the title of his show is Bringing Amazon Survival Skills to Business. And if I remember correctly, that's sort of the idea. He actually had been lost in the Amazon jungle alone for, I don't remember how long, um, but had survived. And based off of that story, he starts to you know, apply this to life and fantastic, amazing person. But his idea is this, like in a place like the Amazon or really anywhere in nature, like there's enough for every one or everything like it's this, this amazing ecosystem where like if you have your niche you're surviving and i think that's the same philosophy of which you're talking you like, own 80 80 of something small and and you're going to do well and it makes a lot a lot of sense exactly like adapt to eating a certain kind of plant instead of trying mm -hmm. to eat a little bit of everything in the entire jungle uh, and it's just going to be a lot more manageable right you can build tools for like cutting down that kind of plant uh, in particular, you can you know learn how to find that kind of plant. You could even grow your own kind of plant if, if you wanted, right? Or like a little farm of that kind of plant. So much easier than, than spreading yourself too thin. But it's really counterintuitive because especially with early adopters, you'll get like a few people who really love it that are all over the place. And if you listen to all of them, you just naturally get pulled into, I'm going to build something for everybody. So you really have to resist the urge and even like not listen sometimes to particular groups of customers and say like, I'm sorry. I know how much you love Tailscale, but I can't build this for you right now. I have to build this other thing for this other person or these these other things for this other group of people um, because otherwise we're not going to survive. For sure. I once heard it said that if you try to please everyone, you will please no one. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, you know, in business, we keep trying to please everyone, right? It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's so, it's such a natural thing that everybody tries to do. 
Well, Avery, I cannot believe it. We've actually come to the end of our half hour today. It was a pleasure to get to learn from you, to speak with you. Of course, um, thank you. I think today's conversation for me was extremely refreshing uh, to keep things simple, to bring it back to, I think, one of the hearts of humanity, right? I think it's easy to think that the heart of humanity is is evil when we see in the face of all these terrible things that happen. Um, but it all comes down to trust. And I think the belief that um, there's more good, right? Um, than there's there. way, way, way yeah. more good than yeah. evil. We just have to not create a system that gives all the power to the evil, right? Exactly. That's the big mistake we made yes. that so, we can undo. Extremely refreshing. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. We wish you and Tailscale nothing more than success. Stick around for Thank just you. a moment as we uh, go off air. But before we do, we'd like to talk about tomorrow's show. What do we've got coming up, America? Yes, tomorrow we're going to have a show where it's going to be four of us, right, Kim? The topic is going to be about product strategy at every stage. And we are going to interview Don Delati. If it's French, Dillard, if not, I don't know, we will find out tomorrow. And Emily Vanna, they are Managing Director of ThoughtBot Ignite Team and Managing Director of ThoughtBot Liftoff. That topic, and the question is, why is leveraging products, strategy, expertise more critical now than ever? And how can it be done from idea to MVP and beyond? Tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you then and have a great rest of your day, everyone. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.